it's Saturday, September 18th. We're here in the studio, a mini episode coming at you with your host here, Logan. Missing PC Mike and the Giggler, but they'll be back next week. You just got me. We're talking Titan Season 3, Episode 7. What if Season 1, Episode 6? Let's get into it. This is Mostly Superheroes. Welcome to Mostly Superheroes, a weekly pursuit for the world's best stories with an emphasis on live-action superhero stuff. I'm your host, Logan, back here again, St. Louis, Missouri, Saturday morning for me, Sunday for you if you're Patreon, Monday for you if you're everybody. Welcome back to the show. Mini episode coming at you. Yeah, guys, we're missing PC Mike, we're missing the Giggler. Hey guys, shout out, I know you're listening, you know, probably right when it dropped, and Guys, essentially life happened this week. As you diehard fans know, we record on Wednesdays. I got a new full-time gig that's happening out here outside of the pod and needed to take a little breather in the midweek, but I could not let another week pass without an episode. Just with the type of stuff we're talking about, there's a lot of continuity, and I'm here on Saturday morning having my coffee. This is kind of a new ambiance for me recording the show at this time of day. Gotta say, it's kind of nice. Um, what's not so nice getting up early on a Saturday for me is just not like the greatest thing. Like I'm a, I'd love to sleep. I'll sleep as late as Carrie will, you know, essentially let me, uh, you know, if I can sleep till 10, 11, like I'm not mad about it, but she's, you know, she's up seven, eight o'clock, just moving. That's me today, folks here, making it another one, another banger. And we got some fun stuff to talk about, uh, to, including some fans. We got some news that we're going to highlight kind of combined here in a second. And we're gonna talk about Titans. Season 3, Episode 7, I think we're on. Give you a preview of what's coming in Episode 8. And we had a really fun What If Killmonger Saved Tony Stark. Can't wait to break it open with you. Let's go ahead and open it up with our first section of the day. We're actually combining two because there's so much. Let's start off with, of course, the fans. Fan mail. But there's so much fan mail that actually incorporates the news we're going to combine them, too. So let's go ahead and do the news. News and rumors. Yeah, man. Uh, this really is a special shout-out to absolutely one of our biggest fans of the show. This guy shows up every single week. He's in the Facebook group, the Mostly Superhero Squad. It's our boy, Scotty, of course. Scott, we love you. Thanks for always showing up, helping us out. And there's just a plethora of news that he drops in the Mostly Superhero Squad. This is on Facebook. It's free to join. It's private. And it's going to be round robin. Going to hit a few things very quickly. First up, Peacemaker, HBO. This show is coming January 2022. If you haven't seen The Suicide Squad by James Gunn, get on it. Scott shared an article that says the first look has been revealed. There are photos from the set. This is kind of this is the kind of stuff that I, you know, I didn't click this link, but I like to see that stuff is starting to be promoted for this because, folks, this is coming in January. We're here in September. This show is coming. It's directed by James Gunn. Can't wait for it. What else we got, Scott? I uh, got a whole bunch of news here. The Boys, Amazon Prime. Season 3 is coming. It looks like it just wrapped filming. And a lot of the actors from the show, Carl Urban, Jack Quaid, Aaron Moriarty, I think her name is. They posted like kind of the post wrap up. Hey, guys, just finished shooting season 3. I don't know if we have an official date on this drop yet, um, but we do know that it's coming. The Boys, I've, I've been thinking about it. was talking about it with a friend. The other day, and I'm thinking that this might be, I mean, this is definitely one of the top three TV, a superhero at least, TV shows that exist in my opinion. It's unbelievable. It came out of nowhere. It's gory. It's real. It's tackling uh, the way the world perceives media and pop culture and celebrities, and then mixing that with a superhero world that's real, and it's awesome. Cannot wait to see what's, what Homelander's up to and the rest of The Seventh. Get ready for The Boys Season 3 as we find out dates for that. We'll appreciate Scotty for letting us know. I'm sure he will. We also found out in the MCU a couple things. Talking about WandaVision. You guys know this show. 
came out early this year. And yeah, it's uh, apparently won an Emmy. And this is uh, Marvel's first Emmy, as I understand. I never really followed the Emmy Awards too closely. You know, uh, you really count on Scott to let us know what's happening in, in that world. I also know if you uh, are a podcast fan, and obviously you are because you're here, the Jock and Nerd podcast, they do a good job of kind of incorporating some of that Emmy stuff, as well as uh, a good podcast called Two Peas on a Podcast. Uh, yeah, you got to go check out that one over there. Those two, uh, they get into kind of like the Emmy world, the awards, like what goes into the awards, what wins each year. We'll talk about that some stuff, but either way, kudos to WandaVision, the Marvel team, for getting into the Emmy land now that they're in TV world. And Hawkeye, uh, man, here we go. Just kind of talking Marvel TV shows for a second. We got the official trailer, folks. Did you see this thing? You can find it now in the Mostly Superhero Squad. Scott shared it. And um, I got to say, I'm really excited. I'll say spoiler alert for the trailer, but here's the thing, guys. It's a Christmas show. It's going to be Christmas time. I think it's six episodes. It's Hawkeye, uh, Haley Steinfeld, uh, Jeremy Renner. This is coming in, uh, I want to say, what, November? I think we actually have a date for this one. Um, I'll have it at the end of the, the, sh- the slideshow today, as we always do in coming up when we show the phase four schedule. I want to say it's like November. I know the Eternals is in November, and I think what uh, Hawkeye is as well. So this one's coming very quickly. Get over to the Facebook group. Watch the trailer. It's, it's pretty campy. It looks fun. I mean, it looks like it's going to be a good time. It's not going to be a show that takes itself too seriously. Looks like a little bit of Hawkeye training a new Hawkeye, not really wanting to be away from his family, but needing to make amends for what he was doing as Ronan. As we find out, you know, this is where he becomes an Avengers Endgame. And a lot has happened since then. I mean, they saved the universe. They unblipped everybody. And, I mean, he was a murderer. He was, a, he was around murking everybody because he's, you know, sad his family's gone, got nothing left to lose, and he's just going around killing, you know, essentially bad guys. But still, blood on his hands, and this show's going to definitely explore the aftermath of this, and uh, we'll see what happens. I don't, I, you know, I'm curious to see if Hawkeye's going to be, Jeremy Renner's going to continue his, his, his journey throughout the MCU, or if this will be kind of a swan song for him, handing the passing of the torch, or really of the bow, per se. And that's really the theme of the whole uh, show is put a bow on it because I guess it's going to be during Christmas time. Looks like it's in New York City uh, and it looks really fun. Uh, you know, this is a show that I've just, you know, I think I don't know how you guys feel. I've been lukewarm about if you're pairing it with Christmas, I'm immediately more excited. And then lastly, in the news, like I said, round robin, try to hit it real quick. DC, the Batman, Robert Battinson. Okay, apparently there's a spinoff in the works, folks, already from this show. And it is all around the Penguin. So if you haven't seen the trailer for the Batman, I feel like, have they released a new one in a while? I don't think they have. Um, and this is coming in 2022, so we can't wait for it. And hopefully a new trailer probably coming. We could probably expect one probably in the next month or two. I, can, I, I just feel like there's a little bit of buzz ramping up about this show. This one right here, is this Colin Farrell? Is this right? Is this Colin Farrell? playing the Batman, I believe. I uh, hope I'm not getting that wrong, but this Penguin looks crazy. Apparently, he's getting his own TV show. It's going to be on HBO Max. It's in the works. Uh, might want to put this in Rumorville. This comes from Deadline, Hollywood, and uh, we'll see if we can keep our thumb on the pulse of this. So, you know, we already got this. We got the Peacemaker thing. That's really tied to Suicide Squad. You know, we're still playing this game of what is DC doing with its universe. Now, how are all these things going to connect? Are they going to connect? Like PC Mike always says, it doesn't need to connect, right? So this is the Batman. We've heard this is on Earth 2, maybe. So it's its own separate storyline, but now they're already doing spinoffs. Right now, I'm in that classic case of, like, DC Rumorville. I'll believe it when I see it. I want to see it, and I want it to be good, and we'll let you know what we hear more on this. We'll get you featured during the news. You know, Scotty is basically our, like, correspondent at this point. He's our guy on the street, just finding out the stories, sharing it in the group, and we appreciate it. And we can feature you like this during fan mail, news and rumors. Just go join that Mostly Superhero squad on Facebook. You can, of of course, find links to that at MostlySuperheroes.com. All right, let's talk about what we're watching. What you watching? All right, guys, what you watching? This is where we tell you what we're watching each and every week. What we're reading. We haven't featured much of what, what we're reading lately. I will say I am about three quarters of the way through the history of the Marvel Universe by Mark Wade. 
And I'm just going to tell you, man, you got to check this thing out if you're interested in comic books. And uh, I'll put it this way. If you're interested in Marvel comic books, but you haven't been able to like, you're, you're like me, you didn't read them your whole life. And I'm getting into them later in life because of all the movies and stuff I've been watching the last 12 years. This uh, book is really great because it truly is just every single piece of the Marvel Universe. You know, they, they of course, have to handpick which stories they tell and which order. And comics can vary depending on what issues you're reading. This one is so linear. It's just Galactus basically telling the whole history. Um, and I gotta, I really recommend it. So that's really that's what I'm reading right now. I'm thinking about picking up Dune just with all the hype around the movie that's coming out very shortly. And uh, But I'm one of those guys also that like when I watch something that's based on a book, the chances of me reading it after, you know, maybe it might take a while. Like I might come back around and read it one day, but I, I think I might just, I might, I think I'm just going to see Dune and see what it's like to experience the film because it looks pretty epic. Now I do have a couple titles for you. I've obviously just me today. Um, don't have to worry about Andy and the MPC Mike in here. Just me with a couple titles that you gotta maybe check out. First up, HBO Max. You probably heard of this one. I'm gonna put it in the horror movie category. It's called Malignant. This is uh, directed by James Wan. This was a same-day premiere, meaning it premiered on HBO Max just a couple weeks ago, and it also was in theaters. So simultaneous release, and spoiler alert for the film, even though I'm going to try to... I say that usually just because I'm, I, I don't want you guys <laughs> to get any spoilers, but let's do a spoiler-free review first. Cool, wacky, corny um, fight scenes. <laughs> you know, it's a real mixed bag of things that you don't typically see in a horror movie, but I got to really say it was pretty corny. I think James Wan went all in on his vision of whatever he wanted this movie to be, not dogging on it, but I will say it is maybe an acquired taste. Um, I was kind of dozing off at parts. I felt like it kind of dragged a little bit here and there, um, but it is a unique take on the horror movie mystery genre like what's going on there's creepy stuff happening but then it's a storyline that you've like never heard before i'm gonna give you that it's unique it's its own thing the, there's a villain essentially in the story you know you're almost thinking about this kind of like you know it, a lot of the horror movie films right freddy krueger you know you've got jason michael myers like those are the the bad guys of the film causing problems you're not ready for what this bad guy is in the film i say regardless of what you feel about it how you rate it um, if you like it or love it, it is an interesting take on the protagonist antagonist aspect of a horror movie film. It's called Malignant. It's on HBO Max. I'm going to give it a rating of a 2.5. Yeah, you, I mean, this is not something I'm going to be rewatching. I have heard rumors of a sequel. It's one of those things where it's like, I probably would watch the sequel because the first story was so wacky that I would be curious to see what they do in a second one. But I don't see myself rewatching this. Um, Decide for yourself. Let us know if you've seen this. You know, if you can write us in at mostlysuperheroes.com. Tell us what you think of Malignant. We'd love to get your rating. And we'll find out what PC Mike and the Giggler think of this one, too. Because I imagine it'll make it across their screens. Or maybe that 2.5 will deter them. Hey, it's up to you. Let us know what you do. One more for what you're watching. Switching up streaming services today. Amazon Original. This is on Amazon Prime Video. It's a documentary. It's four parts, I believe. Four or five parts, I think it's four parts. Man, this show has everything. I'm going to give it a great rating. I can't wait to talk about it. It's called Lula Rich. <laughs> Guys, this show has everything. Drama, pyramid schemes, people getting rich, people getting broke, 90s music, leggings, sob stories, success stories, scandals, poor running of a business that's too big for its britches oh my god it's a documentary which are tougher to rate but i gotta tell you guys this was so much fun i didn't know really anything about this and carrie did so if you don't know lula rich so lula rich is the name of the show lula row is the name of a leggings company that came out what you know 10 15 years ago and i just watched the documentary it just came out september 10th i'm already forgetting exactly when the brand started essentially you know, this uh, couple runs this company. They started the business basically selling clothes out of their car, uh, be trying to become entrepreneurs. This thing explodes, goes worldwide, global, and it talks about all the good, the nasty. I mean, every bit of 
what happens whenever a pyramid scheme essentially it's kind of like the OG. I mean, they say this in the show, the one of the OG pyramid schemes. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I feel like there's probably plenty that came before it. Um, and then if you listen to them, you know, they're making the argument in the series that they're not even a pyramid scheme. You know, what is a pyramid scheme? I mean, essentially, it's like, you know, oh, you got to get so many people under you. The business depends on growth via like two ways, right? Sales and recruitment. And this is going to talk about um, exactly all the aspects of it. They do a really good job educating you on what those things even are, because at the end of the day, when you get into the legal battles and the people that are scorned and you're going to hear about like the drama behind it, a lot of this becomes about labels and what, how a business is run, what constitutes what type of business, what is actually you know, not good practices. Um, but I'll tell you, some real people had some really um, dramatic impacts on their life from this brand, LuLaRoe. You know, if you, do you guys know about this? Do, you, do your girls, do you guys, do you girls listen and own the leggings, the, the, the dresses? Um, I can tell you, Carrie has a couple pair of the leggings. Apparently, they're like buttery smooth. People love them. You know, they were, you could basically buy them anywhere. You guys have seen these folks online, right? Where they have the closet or the store essentially in their house and their Facebook living or Instagram living. And they're like, you know, buy this dress for $20. You know, I see these people on Instagram all the time. I've always been like, what is happening with this? Like you're just selling like a whole store out of your house. Well, that's LuLaRoe. And I'm sure there's a lot of other companies like it. Well, the show is called Lula Rich. Go check it out. I'm going to give it a 3.5. I think no matter who you are, you can enjoy this one. It's uh, just a mixed bag of drama, espionage, and also just a couple of owners of the company that just like, I feel like you guys are going to see it. They just can't do no wrong in their eyes. So it's a little bit of a fun dynamic. They actually got them for the show. They came on and we're uh, happy to talk about it. Go check it out. Lula Rich on Amazon Prime. And now let's talk about some superhero stuff and get into the meat. The meat. It is time for the meat, the chunk, the sizzle. It's why you're here. It's what you want. We got a couple things. This is really, at the end of the day, why we're in here today. Like I said, I was wanting to take a break this week, but I couldn't take a full break. I was like, we got shows that are like in, process, in progress, and if we start falling behind, just for my own sake, like I'm going to start forgetting what happens. So we're going to talk about two things today. Starting off in the DC Universe, this is on HBO Max. It's the third season of Titans. That's right. We're talking about season three, episode seven. It's titled 51% 40 minutes on the episode. Spoiler, spoiler alert for it right now. The description reads from HBO Max. Gotham's crime families need to discuss the fear toxins hold on the city only to be confronted by the mastermind himself. As Dick and Barbara consult the Oracle to what to preempt Crane's next move, Starfire and Blackfire reach an understanding. All right, so where we leave off in episode six, essentially Jason Todd, the Red Hood, decides I'm done messing with Crane. He's, he's made me upset. I'm going to steal his, his huffer gas, his fear gas, give it to people on the streets, and essentially get a few little attacks going just to mess with the Titans, mess with Crane, and that's when the credits end. We see uh, Tim Drake, his father gets shot. We didn't... Uh, uh, know if he was going to make it or not. It looked like he was like shot in the stomach at the end of the episode. And this episode picks basically right up where it left off. All right, let's recap the episode real quick. Make sure that we understand what's going on. Then we'll prepare ourselves for episode eight, which we will talk about here in the studio next week with PC Mike and the Giggler. So you can watch for a full review of that. So essentially this picks up again, right where it left off. The Titans find out about these attacks. They're like, we got to go figure this out. Um, Jason Todd is out there using the gas already and the Titans are going to, you know, try to do some detective work to find out exactly what the plan is, where they're going to be, uh, and what they're going to do with this gas. Well, we find out right away. Jonathan, I said, almost said Jonathan Crane. Is that his name? Jonathan Crane? Crane. Scarecrow is meeting up with all of the big bosses from Gotham. Right away, you get you get this big room. You know, you've seen this in a lot of um, uh, Batman stories. I'm sure in the video games all the time, but definitely I'm thinking of the Dark Knight. Dark Knight Rises had very much like when the Joker goes sees you know the crime lords. It had those vibes, right? Crane rolls in and basically he says, you know, I have this gas. 
I'm going to get everybody hooked on it in Gotham. You guys want business, right? You want distribution. You want money in your pockets. That's the arrangement. I'll provide the gas. I'll get everybody hooked. You guys help me ship it. You help me with the logistics of doing it all, and you'll make a boatload of money. It's fine, but I'm like, this is definitely like a wacky plan. Like, you just want to get everybody hooked on this fighting gas and and get them all like jacked up. And like, I guess he's making the argument that that the gas is only in um, trial phase. <laughs> so you see these attacks happening on the city. And even the crime lords are like, well, do we necessarily want that? Do we want people just like fighting everywhere? And he says, don't worry. The next formula is going to be even better. So, all right, crime lords are basically like, we're in. We'll figure this thing out. Dick and Barbara, picking it up from last episode, they kind of teased this out. We knew it was coming, right? Oracle. Barbara Gordon, she is the Oracle usually in the comics. She's been the Oracle in the video games, like Mike and Andy have told me. And essentially, Dick says we need to use this thing, even though it's highly illegal. It's basically been shut down since the last time it was used. When was the last time Oracle was used? To put Crane in prison. Batman actually had to tap Gordon and Oracle to get him the first time. Dick's kind of pulling out the same old playbook. We're going to try this again, and we do meet Oracle in person. It's a room. It's a giant computer. Very futuristic vibes. Very much like, uh, you know, what I was picturing was X-Men, Professor, Professor X, and Cerebro. It had very much those vibes of just, I mean... I mean, almost like exactly right. Barbara Gordon's in a wheelchair rolling in with like one person. Um, but either way, this was my fa- one of my favorite parts of the episode. Oracle is actually voiced by. Oh, I had it in my notes here. Jermaine. Oh, it's the guy from Fight of the Co- Concords. I actually I can look. I can look. Hold on. Bear with me. I have my notes right here. I wrote this down. Jermaine Clement from Flight of the Concords. He's also in um, Legion. If you guys watch Legion on FX, another great, uh, I mean, I, I call it a great Marvel series. This guy is hilarious. I love everything he's ever been in. His voice is so recognizable. I, I could hear it immediately. And he's playing the, the voice of Oracle that's talking to Dick and Barbara about where are we going to find Crane? <clears throat> Very quickly, he points him to Crane. There's a phone call that they find using this, like, basically, you know, I feel like it's like Fast and the Furious. It's like God's eye. It's basically a computer that can basically find out anything, right? It can find out anything you want. It can tap cameras. It can listen to phone calls. And they find a phone call from Jonathan Crane saying, I'm meeting somebody at this spot. Well, guess what happens? Dick and Connor, Connor Kent, Superboy, they go check this thing out. It's a trap. Turns out Crane is using Oracle, somehow has gotten like access to it. So I guess he like knew from the first time around, I got caught by this thing because of Batman. I'm not going to do it again. He hacks it, and Dick figures out, you know, like, hey, uh, well, basically, a van blows up because uh, a man was inside. Connor rips the door open. He's got one of these things in his chest, another heart bomb. What is this, the third heart bomb we've seen? Like, they love using this heart bomb. And this one's been modified. You can't uh, do this the little Connor Kent trick where he, you know, 80%. 70%. Like, it wasn't anything. He's like, I can't do it. This is a new version. We got to get out of here. It was kind of strange. He's like, Dick, get out of here. Get out of here. When I was like, just pick him up and run away. Like, you're Superboy. Like, you're really strong and you're fast. And essentially, you can fly or at least jump really hard. I, I, I'm still trying to figure out exactly if he's jumping or flying. And uh, thing blows up. Dick calls Bar- Barbara, says it was a trap, um, and says, hold on. I'll be right there. And we can use this to our advantage, right? Like, he's obviously watching us. He's obviously, like, getting us to do things by leveraging our uh, Oracle. What does Barbara do in the meantime? She does exactly what uh, Crane wants her to do. Scarecrow. I mean, I call him Crane. I feel like they need to put this mask on him and let him be Scarecrow. He's just kind of being a, a not Scarecrow, just Crane guy. Either way, she destroys Oracle. Does exactly what he wants. He says, look at this. You know, fear took over. They just destroyed the only thing that they could use to find me. And Dick agrees. He gets really upset, kind of calls out Barbara for being fearful, um, gives her like a little like, I don't know, kind of acts like a dad, you know, like a Batman. Like, he's like, you know, you messed up here and don't do this again. They get back on the same page. They do some good old fashioned detective work. They figure out the guy that got murdered with the with the heart bomb. Um, and they go check out the place where he he worked, which turns out to be. 
oh my gosh, a Freon. <laughs> this, is, this phone call is so funny. So they, they, they tap somebody for help, right? V, I think V is uh, Barbara Gordon's assistant. I think she's been in the episode a few times. Says there's this warehouse. This is where it looks like uh, this, um, this guy worked. They go there. Actually, it's, I'm getting ahead of myself. They find out where this guy worked. They go check it out. They find another dead body. Um, and then they turned out that essentially the power grid is slowly transferring power to a certain area of Gotham that is basically a Freon warehouse. And right away, I mean, I started getting a, a sense that they were going this way. The name is dropped. Victor Freeze. Yeah, this is like Victor Freeze's like old headquarters. Uh, Snowy Cones, I think. It's like an old ice cream factory. And I'm thinking, like, I'm, are we getting, about to get Mr. Freeze in this show? Because I don't think we ever have before, right? In seasons one or two. Have we? Fans, let me know. Uh, you know, there might be something we need to look into. I don't remember them. I'm just kind of going through the, the brain right now. And I'm picturing Mr. Freeze from Gotham, you know, the Gotham TV show. And I'm like, is it going to be something that looks like that? Well, unfortunately, um, we do not meet him. This is basically just Crane using Mr. Freeze's old spot to make his gasp, set up his distribution center. And we'll talk about the end of it here in just a minute. Um, a little bit with um, Blackfire and Starfire. So you might remember from last episode, uh, Blackfire was like, listen, we got to talk to people that are outside of all this. Go talk to people on the streets. And this one, that kind of picks up right where it left off. Um, Starfire thinks that, you know, let's go talk to somebody that's on the inside. Somehow they get wind. You know, I think they kind of put together from what's happening with the gas attacks that Crane has tapped the local crime lords. And they go to see just one of them. Um, I forget her first name. I think her last name was Knox, actually. Uh, she's the white-haired lady. She was one of the crime lords in the meeting. Starfire and Blackfire pay her a visit. They say, tell us about Crane. She answers and says, essentially, I will tell you about this, but you need to bring me my son because I want to talk to him. Starfire says, like, okay, fine. Go get the son. Convince him to come. Like, it's like this 35-year-old guy. He's got, like, a normal job. He's like, I don't want to mess with my family. You guys don't understand how much of a monster she is. I mean, she's obviously one of the biggest crime lords in Gotham, so you know she's probably done some nasty stuff. Starfire uses her amazing persuasive skills to say, come with me, it'll all be fine. Guess what? It's not fine. They get there. The mom is there. The guy's like, hey, mom, you gotta. She pulls out a gun, pops him in the head, shoots him, dead, gone. Right in front of Blackfire, Starfire, um, has like a small moment of remorse of like, I had to, you know, oh, man, I can't believe it. And then gets herself together and says, okay, we had a deal. I'll tell you about what's happened with Crane. And what does Starfire do? She takes her hand. She says, I shake on my deals. And they shake. And then she explodes her from the inside out. Just makes her like molten lava hot. The, girl, the lady turns into ash, falls apart, and kills this woman. You know, I'd say in cold blood because, you know, we just watched her. Wit we just witnessed her murder her son. But, I mean, it was crazy, right? She just was like, you know, we need to get this info. She was so angry about her turning on her son, and she's like, I'm just going to murder her. Blackfire's like, hey, don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, I've been there. You know, I've, I've killed plenty of people. No big deal. Um, and we get a little heart-to-heart -heart here with the sisters. Um, don't worry. They do end up finding out what, need, what information they need because the lady that they just burned to a crisp had a bodyguard, and that's essentially where they found out about the Freon. So that, you know, I mentioned that earlier about Dick finding out the Freon. It was a combination of V from Gotham PD and then Starfire um, kind of, you know, tying up this bodyguard, finding out the details. Uh, we do find out a little bit more about Blackfire. She tells a story of, like, why I killed our parents. Right? This is, like, the big elephant in the room. Like, why'd you kill our parents? And she says, essentially, after you left, you know, you went to Earth, Starfire. I'm left. Our parents were so upset that they blamed me, and they turned the government against me, and they came after me to kill me. And they said, you know, if they killed me, like apparently whatever drama was going on back on their home planet, Targon, or I can't ever remember it. So, uh, I'm going to need a lot of help with that, that, that planet's name over time, and we got a lot of episodes left, so we'll, we'll get it again. Targaryen, like that's, that's, that's Game of Thrones. <laughs> Either way, apparently they came after Blackfire and like tried to kill her. So because of that, she 
went on the defensive, got upset, and was like, I'll just kill you guys. So that and she tells her she tells Starfire this. I think Starfire still has mixed feelings about it, because like obviously you killed our mom and dad. But at the end of the day, Starfire says, I never really gave you a chance when we were kids. We're back here at Titans at at Wayne Manor is where they're operating. And she says, Why don't you come be one of the team? You know, we we've all now figured out where Crane's working at Snowy Cone's place. Here's these bracelets, I guess, like from their home planet. And Blackfire puts these things on, gets this pr- pretty wild looking outfit, a lot of armor. Connor Kent is right there with the whole, <laughs> witnesses the whole thing and uh, is, is loving it. And essentially she's on the team. She's going to go with them to fight against Crane at his big warehouse. That's the big finale. Let's just get to it. The Titans figure out where they are. Crane is uh, basically, you know, one big piece that I didn't talk about. Let's just make sure we're hitting all the characters. Red Hood, Jason Todd, right? Beginning this episode basically opens up with him um, confronting Crane after, like, stealing his gas, right? Because that's what happened at the end of episode six. He stole the gas. He went out on his own, you know, kind of threw, like, a little tantrum. And he comes back fully expecting the wrath of Crane to be like, you really messed up. Crane says, don't worry about it. I got a machine that makes plenty of this stuff now. We didn't know it then, but that's where they were, at the snowy cone uh, plant making more gas. And Jason's like, all right, cool. Well, the crime bosses, before Crane went to meet the bosses, uh, Red Hood, Todd, is like, I'll just go do it myself. I'll go talk to him. I'll take a hit of this gas here, and uh, I'll let them know that you're boss. So what happens? He takes a puff. Turns out it's like poison. Crane has a really cool line where he's like, I told you. I'm not the Batman. Basically takes Jason Todd hostage, ties him up. He's like, I can't really trust you because you're out running around doing your own thing, but I can't really let you loose because you know too much. And keeps him tied up the entire episode. All right, I think we're pretty much caught up. Oh, Gar, what was he up to? First of all, we find out Gar's last name is Logan in this. I didn't, I don't think I've ever known that. Cool name. Um, Gar isn't really giving up on Jason Todd. You know, there's a moment in the in the Batcave where Dick says to the team, there are attacks happening. You know, this is when he's like, I'm going to use Oracle to, to go do it. But in the meantime, we are going to get Red Hood. And Gar says, like, where's Jason? Like, what about Jason? And Dick says, Jason's gone. He's the Red Hood now. All right. He's murdered Hank. He's murdering people all over the place. That's over. Gar's not giving up. He's doing like some, he's using his Beast Boy uh, powers to basically sniff around Jason's room. He does find a letter. He's like, okay, this this will help me out. All right, I think we're caught up. We get back to the plant uh, big fight scene. This is awesome. You know, Crane's like, we're getting away with it. The crime bosses are there. They're like, we're getting away with it. Nothing's going to go wrong. Don't worry. Batman's left, right? Everyone, the word has gotten out that Batman is gone. Like, no, no one knows where he went except for, I guess, maybe us. Like, he went to London, right, or something. Um, and, well, that was the flashback episode. He's just gone after he killed the Joker. I mean, that's what's happened, right? The Batman killed the Joker. That's it. And he's vanished. I don't think anybody's talked to him since, so this is going to be some kind of big comeback at some point. For now, though, everybody at the crime place at Snowy Cone's plant feeling at ease. Well, the Titans show right up, and we get an awesome fight scene. We get some uh, good use of powers from Starfire, Blackfire kicking ass. We get uh, Connor Kent. This is what I was talking about earlier. Can he fly? I mean, he grabs a couple goons. He kind of like, it looks like he just flies into the sky. I don't even know what he did. Took him to prison, I assume. Uh, Crypto, the dog, shows up. He's here again, and he uses heat vision. I mean, this dog is completely bulletproof, by the way. Uses heat vision to mess up a couple guys. Um, Nightwing just doing his thing, using his big electrical sticks. Big uh, Beast Boy did a pretty cool like tiger claw punch on a guy. Like his hand like turned into a tiger claw, and he hit. And he's like, "Oh, guess I can do that." Um, basically, shut down the whole operation. Everybody runs. Everybody's out of there. Um, they essentially get a win here, right? The Titans finally get a win after, um, you know, days of just being behind trying to play catch up. Crane, instead of getting caught at the last minute, decides we're not done yet. He grabs Red Hood, gets in a truck, takes off. He's out of there. Titans go back home. They're celebrating. They're like, you know what? We got to, we still got to catch these two, but cheers, you know, cheers to us. We're in high spirits for the first time, you know, since Hank's death, this is kind of like the team coming together. Barbara Gordon's there, too. She's hanging out because she was part of it. And on the way out, got some of this teased out in episode uh, six. It happens to where, um, you know, this romance is kind of coming back. 
We get a big kiss between Dick and Barbara. He's like, oh, I, I, I want you. Will this happen? What I'm thinking is going down here. I'm still seeing things in the late, the past episodes that are making me think Barbara might not be being totally truthful about who she is, what she's up to. She might have more stake in all of this than any of us realize. I mean, she's the commissioner, and there's a lot of ways to do the commissioner job. You could be like Commissioner Jim Gordon, who worked like with Batman. Maybe Barbara found another way, and she's actually been working with people that Dick wouldn't approve of. So I could see them. You know, this is only like halfway through the season, guys. We're at episode seven. I think Andy said we got like 12 or 13 episodes. And I'm thinking that they're going to maybe break some hearts here. You know, if you're pulling for this relationship, I don't think it's going to work out. It's going to be one of those things that probably gets nipped in the butt by the end of the season. I could even see maybe like Barbara like dying. I don't know. I'm like making some big predictions here. But, you know, just how they do these stories, sometimes you start to see some patterns. I think they might be in love for a minute, but then inevitably maybe she'll disappoint Dick. That's just a guess for me. Who knows? For now, very much love is in the air. We'll see what happens. Last piece of the episode, Gar uses that letter. What's he do? He tracks down Jason Todd's old friend, Molly. And this is exactly what Mike has been talking about, right? There's this human side to Jason Todd still like in there somewhere. And we know that to access it really is via Molly. Molly's like his friend. Maybe he even likes her a little bit. Um, and he's been coming to see her, or he at least came to see her one time as the Red Hood. Probably not recently since he's been like kidnapped. And he's Gar's gonna work with Molly now to hopefully, you know, try to save Jason. That's gonna be their mission too. So there's two missions at play. Stop Crane, stop Red Hood, but maybe save Jason Todd. Will it happen? We will see. All right, folks, that's episode seven. It's titled 51%. Didn't even talk about what that actually meant. Um, turns out, I guess, it was a rule, a rule of thumb that was taught to Blackfire and Starfire from their parents. That essentially is, if you have a decision in front of you that's very diff difficult to come to a decision with, you know, you're like, this is really tough. Which way do I go? And if you can determine that 51% of the decision, one way or the other, is good, you know, you label it as good, then you do it, no matter what. Like, you have a decision, oh, I don't know if I want a hot dog on a hamburger, 51% of me says hamburger, boom, you go hamburger. You don't waste any time, you just go for it. Same rule applies if you're going to, say, try to kill your daughter. Oh, 51% uh, of this would be good. Okay, I'll try to kill my daughter. And this is essentially what they're talking about in this episode, and most of these episodes really come down to your choices. And the, that's a big theme of, I feel like, DC, just superhero stuff in general. Uh, the decisions we make, the impact you have on yourself and others. Um, this 51% rule, what do you guys think about this? I had all sorts of thoughts. Like, I don't know if it's a very good way to be making major life decisions. I think there might be a, a little bit more thought to it um, than just in your head saying 51% is good. But that was the reasoning behind the episode. We were wrong. You know, we talked about a few things it could be like business deals and voting and all that, but, or like uh, getting 51% of the city on the drug. No, it was none of that. It was about the choices we make. All right, guys, next week we will talk about episode eight. Uh, looks like the title of this one is called home a little bit longer at 47 minutes. It is out now. You can go watch on HBO max. Make sure you do that because we'll have a full review of that one more in the episode next week with PC, Mike, the giggler, We'll talk about this thing. Can't wait to see how the rest of the season goes. For me personally, the pace is still just fine. This episode had a lot. You know, you got Crane meeting with crime bosses. You got Mr. Freeze callouts. You got a epic fight scene with Powers coming out. Um, I'm having a good time. It's kind of hard to hate on the show right now. I am hoping still for maybe some more Batman, but that's just me. Let us know what you think. You can go check out our DC reviews at mostlysuperheroes.com forward slash DCU. That's our DC Universe library. We're breaking out all these reviews uh, individually so you can easily find them, see what order they're in. Uh, we got the Snyder Cut in there, uh, old Superman reviews, the Suicide Squad, and, of course, Titans. And we'll keep loading it up. Go check it out. Hit subscribe. And you can also give us some feedback at the website. You can comment um, uh, on the site. You can let us know what you thought of certain episodes. We'll feature you during fan mail, of course. All right, let's move on to the MCU. Marvel Studios animated series called What If? It's on Disney+. Plus. We are on episode six, folks. 
Season one of this show is out. It's happening every week, 20 to 25-minute episodes of The Watcher telling you about new realities that exist parallel to all the realities out there, heroes you know, people you've met throughout the MCU having a single thing change in what happens. Title of this one is What If Killmonger Rescued Tony Stark. 34 minutes, an American soldier called Killmonger rescues Tony Stark when his Humvee is attacked in Afghanistan. Folks, this episode was awesome. Yeah, got to give it up. This is going to be for the diehard fans of the MCU. It's going to be for the OG fans, too. Basically, let's go ahead and throw out a spoiler alert. Going to recap this thing super quick. Talk about our favorite moments. But essentially, what's happening is they are taking you back in time to Iron Man 1, the moment that started it all, everything that happened that came from that movie, Tony Stark getting ambushed, going in that cave, working with Jensen, creating his first suit, uh, deciding to change the way he runs his company, like stopping weapons manufacturing, becoming Iron Man and becoming the only weapon and his inevitable journey through all of the Infinity Saga to that big moment that they show here and what if of Tony Stark. I mean, spoiler alert for the MCU as always. They're in Endgame with the Infinity Stones animated. The same scene that you know, I am Iron Man. Boom. This is going to change all that. You know, the hero's journey started with the with that moment in the cave of looking what his weapons had done to the world, to to American soldiers, to foreign soldiers, just to the to the the world warfare. Essentially, the whole landscape changed after that 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 fateful day in Iron Man one right in 2008. And this one, they're changing up the whole game. What happens? Basically, everything the same. First of all, the biggest thing that's not the same. This is not Robert Downey Jr. I don't have the guy's name in front of me. Um, but he did a great job, sounded you know just like Robert Downey Jr. And essentially, play-by-play, play, it happens exactly the same way. He's in the Humvee. He's got that drink in his hand. The, the soldiers are taking photos with him. There's a little fun banter. They get bombed. This is just like in the movie. If you remember Iron Man 1, he's laying there in the sand, kind of trying not to get shot. We're talking about Tony Stark here. And a Stark missile lands right next to him. And he's like, oh, my gosh. Like, this is my, that's my stuff. What the heck? And right then, before in the movie, it explodes. Now, here's the big difference, folks. Killmonger, enter him. Yeah, we're talking about, uh, if you haven't seen Black Panther, I'll just say spoiler alert for that movie because this is essentially, you're going to get a huge piece of that storyline mixed in to the Iron Man story. So Killmonger actually grabs that missile, throws it off. He saves Tony Stark. Tony's like, holy cow, thanks, man. This is awesome. Uh, let's be friends. They go back to town. And you guys remember the infamous I am Iron Man scene, right? When he's at the press conference, he just decides I'm going to do this. Well, none of that has happened in this world. He didn't really go. He didn't go through the hardship of being in the cave. Like he got bombed, but it didn't quite scare him enough. Instead of like shutting down his weapons manufacturing, instead what he does is he makes Killmonger this, um, I guess, publicly known to everyone as a, I mean, he's a mercenary, but he's like really like special ops um, soldier. So, like, he's just a regular soldier kind of to the public, right? He's not, like, and people, like, know who he is. He's on, he's on record. It all checks out. Tony makes him the head of security, like, pretty much just brings him right into the company. Um, and very quickly, they become friends and working on, like, side projects where Killmonger's like, you know, it'd be cool if we, uh, uh, you know, had something to, to fight back with. And I have, like, a little projects of, of mine that I want to do. And it's essentially kind of like the storyline of Iron Man 2 when uh, – you know, you had the drones that were coming and people were making and uh, you had whiplash, you know, wanting to make all these drones and you have an army of drones that just want to go out and kill. We're kind of getting the same thing here, but they're designed by Killmonger. And we also get uh, them powered by Vibranium because he's got his Vibranium ring. This was this is the problem I have with the show is that like I just I, it's hard for me to believe that like Tony Stark wouldn't be like sniffing this out so early on like. Oh, you just have a Wakanda ring. Don't really know why. But Tony's loving it. He's just having fun. He hasn't, again, he hasn't gone through what he went through the first time. So he's still kind of that young, arrogant Tony Stark, just looking to do fun stuff and be a billionaire. But we do get some really big nostalgia vibes in this. We get Tony Stark in the lab making stuff. The only difference is it's with Killmonger. And they do it. They make these drones. Tony ends up making um, 
Killmonger, I think like COO or something of the company, like like definitely like a big role. Um, like like even like past head of security, I feel like who you know you know who's pissed about that head of security job. Happy, he's in this. I believe that was John Favreau. Um, we also get Pepper Potts. It was not Gwyneth Paltrow. We also get uh, Obadiah. You might remember Jeff Bridges in the first Iron Man film being like Tony's mentor, his dad's best friend, gone evil, kind of just gone insane. And um, but it's not it's not Jeff Bridges either. This is another actor. Now the guy did pretty good, but you could just kind of tell. And I looked it up afterwards. I don't remember his name. I wish I, I wish I had those for you guys. Um, and essentially, Tony's just going down this path, and Killmonger is playing the same game that we all know about. Like if you're a diehard MCU fan, what happened in Black Panther? Right. I mean, he was this kid in Oakland. His dad gets essentially murdered. He sees a ship leave and he goes on this path of like trying to find Wakanda. He's going to take it over as the rightful heir. He's going to fight, you know, uh, T'Challa and try and basically succeeds, becomes a different version of the Black Panther. And man, what an epic movie that is. Going to have to rewatch that one. And in this one, he's following the same exact plan, except he's just gone a different route. He basically orchestrated not the attack on Tony. He figured out he, actually he outed Obadiah like very quickly. I thought that was kind of funny. Just like, hey, instead of letting the events of Iron Man one play out, let's just uh, out him out right, right now and tell him. But he did intentionally save Tony Stark with the with this whole plan of getting these drones built and wanting to get them into Wakanda. And how does he do this? He basically convinces General Thunderbolt Ross. I forget that actor's name. I feel like that was him. Maybe. But he's in this thing. You know, this is, you know, you've seen this guy from The Incredible Hulk, um, you, uh, Civil War, all over the place. And he's even been in some what if episodes. He was in the, uh, you know, what the Avengers didn't exist episode. And in this one, he basically agrees with Killmonger that, um, well, before I'm getting ahead of myself, there's like a middle part where Killmonger goes to get more vibranium from, I forget his name in the MCU, but it's Andy Serkis. And his bad guy, he's like that arms dealer, and he's the guy that's always kind of like going head to head with Wakanda in the Wakanda movie. Uh, he he gets uh, talked about in I feel like uh, Avengers: Age of Ultron, right? That's where he loses his arm. Actually, Ultron chops his arm off. You guys know who I'm talking about. Andy Serkis is in this episode, and we get that same plant from Age of Ultron, which is just awesome. You know, you see it animated. You're like, I've been here before. It just everything feels so familiar. And Killmonger gets there, and he's like, give me the vibranium, show me... Actually, not Killmonger, a, uh, Colonel James Rhodes, you know, who will inevitably become War Machine, but he's not at this point. He's just a soldier, you know, a general, or captain, I forget what he is. He's trying to negotiate with the circus and says, show me where your, uh, your vibranium stash is, opens it up, and right then, Killmonger comes in, takes the vibranium, but kills... I mean, he kills James Rhodes right away. Who else shows up? Black Panther, T'Challa. Because this is, again, this Andy Serkis character. I'm really, really blanking on his name. Uh, he has, like, a bad guy name. Um, but he shows up because he's like, this is an enemy of Wakanda. He's been stealing vibranium for us for year, from us for years. And he, he's there doing Black Panther stuff. And what does Killmonger do? Uses some kind of stunner gun and kills him. Kills James Rhodes and T'Challa within two minutes. And he fakes the whole crime scene, right? And he makes it look like um he makes it look like Rhodes killed uh Black Panther, which is just ridiculous. And it, it goes back, Pepper's like questioning him. Some people are questioning, well, Tony is no idiot at this point. He says, Hey man, uh, I know what you did. He does like a you remember in uh Avengers Endgame when he when Tony does the barn door barn door protocol like when they're about to do the the second snap and it, like all the doors come down he essentially does this at his own house locks in Killmonger and goes hey don't mess with me I already know what you did he has that technology that kind of replays a crime scene exactly like what happened like Jarvis was paying attention you actually get a Jarvis in this you get Paul Bettany's voice as Jarvis thought that was awesome just a really cool callback to that original character that kicked off everything that happened with Vision and my gosh, WandaVision, the path. Like, remember when Paul Bettany was just Jarvis and Tony's helmet and at his house? Um, that's happening again. And what's happened here is Tony's created the drone 
that Killmonger wanted, except now he's like been like, okay, go 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 ahead and fight Killmonger and kill him. Like he kind of goes like on a murder path here. He's like, I'm just gonna kill him. Well, Killmonger is just too good. He ends up uh, using the Wakanda spear that he stole from or got from um, the Andy Serkis character. He beats the drone and then throws this thing right through Tony Stark and kills him. I mean, this guy in a matter of days has killed Tony Stark, James Rhodes, T'Challa, Pepper's on to him, and it doesn't matter. Gen- General Thunderbolt Ross is like, listen, there's been a there's a there's a war now between Wakanda and the U.S. government because um, of the battle that happened with uh, T'Challa and James Rhodes. And Killmonger's like, I have a solution. I'll take my drones in there, and once I'm in, I'll just we'll just take down Wakanda and take it over. And essentially, like the, you know, the general finds out the secret about Wakanda. Killmonger walks right in. Um, he kills just like he does in Black Panther the movie. He kills Andy Serkis's character. And puts him over his shoulder, carries him in as tribute to say, like, this is an enemy of yours. I'm here, just like he did in the movie. It's like the same thing. The only big difference is T'Challa's already dead, and he killed him. But the current king of Wakanda, T'Challa's dad, you know, he's still there. He didn't die or anything. He's, he's alive because of the events of Captain America Civil War, uh, you know, won't transpire in this universe. He's alive, and he's like, hey, this guy definitely is my brother's son. You know, he's got the lip tattoo, so he can prove that. He killed our enemy. He basically has inside scoop from the American government, who is showing up here right now with their drones. And what's Killmonger's solution? Hey, let's let them in, because once we let them in, the satellite uplink can't work past the force field. It's all good. And, I mean, the king is like, okay, that's fine. And the queen even is like, okay, I guess. Shuri. She's in this, right? T'Challa's sister. I don't know if that was the actual actress. She's in this one, and she's like, she's questioning it. She's like, I don't know if this is legit. Is this guy actually one of us? Does he come here with other intentions? He, of course, has come here with other intentions. He has played everybody so far all the way until the very end. And basically, they let the drones in. T'Challa says, I have bigger plans than, than this. They do shut down. He has like a almost like a remote you know, for your car in his pocket, pulls this thing out, clicks the drones back on to inevitably start this battle that he wants to be the hero of. And Wakanda does win. They destroy all the drones. Um, the king is so impressed with Killmonger that he's like, you're one of us. We need somebody to fight on our behalf and help us with world problems. Let's make you the next Black Panther. So they, they're, uh, you know, he eats the purple plant. They put them in the ground, just like, you know, if you're familiar with how they make Black Panther, this is how they do it. You know, you eat this stuff, they bury you, and then you go to, you know, I always call it like, you know, usually where you go talk to your dad, you know, Lion King Town, like, you know, it's like, it's like, a, it's like this part of their culture that, like, life doesn't end when you, you die. Well, Killmonger, you get to, like, travel there when you become the Black Panther. And who was there? T'Challa. And T'Challa's like, we'll be waiting for you. He's like, e- either you'll pay for this in your life, or you'll pay for it in this life. Either way, you're going to pay for this. But essentially, you know, Killmonger gets away with it. Like, he's the Black Panther. It kind of, like, ends the same way in, as the first movie, except, you know, there is no T'Challa to stop him in the real world, in the living world. And the last thing that happens, the little glimmer of hope, as the Watcher says, you know, there's always going to be people that pick up the battle, even when some of your heroes have fallen. Gwyneth, uh, Pal- Pal- I say Gwyneth Paltrow, it's not her. Pepper Potts and Shuri are now going to team up and be like, hey, we know for a fact that this guy is, you know, full of shit and we're going to do something about it. But that's it. Cliffhanger. Credits roll. I'm going to give it up. That was fun. Yeah, man, it was a good episode. Uh, nostalgia overload with the, the Iron Man call outs, the old characters and taking you back to that place and. Seeing that storyline from Killmonger from Black Panther just integrated into this and like what would happen, so cool. And definitely the cliffhanger component. Again, all of these episodes setting up something. This is now a Black Panther that's like a bad guy that exists um, in this reality. What will happen? Will we see it in more episodes? Is this, is this all leading to some big what-if climax? We uh, actually have some fan mail to feature. We'll 
Um, before we do that, we can't wait for episode seven. It'll happen next week, and we'll talk about it for sure. Surprise, surprise, our boy Scotty. He's our fan. We'll highlight here, giving us some thoughts on What If. You know, they did release this uh, What If mid-season tra- trailer. Uh, I did watch it. It looked pretty cool. Kind of catches you up to where you are. Shows you previews of things to come. Scott dropped the link. Uh, Scott says, I'm wondering if by the end of the season, they start to tie these episodes together to try and make some overarching story significant to the MCU or as some have now started to call it the MCM. What is the MCM? Oh, the uh, Marvel Cinematic Multiverse, right? Yeah, makes total sense because this is like getting multiversal crazy everywhere. Um. I'm with you, Scott. I think it's going to be some kind of connection, whether it's all the stories converging or maybe some other bigger MCU ramification. I can't help but think, like, this comes right after Loki. I say this every single week, but still, where is this going to go? How is it going to connect? We'll let you know. You can find this review with the rest in our preferred watch order. We're revamping this thing every single week. It's, it's crammed full of every MCU title to date. Um, all of our reviews, our connections, and you can find that at MostlySuperheroes.com forward slash MCU. We got a schedule of upcoming titles plus everything that's ever transpired in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You're a person that is trying to figure out when do I watch what movie? Oh, what happened in this movie? I need some help recapping myself. You have a friend that's trying to get into the MCU and you don't know where to send them. Now you do. MostlySuperheroes.com forward slash MCU. All right, guys, that's the meat. Let's go ahead and get into what's coming up. A lot happening on the show. Phase four is here. The Eternals come out November 5th. Hawkeye's coming out November 24th. We got the trailer. Still waiting on details on Ms. Marvel and Spider-Man. No Way Home coming this December. Hearing a lot of rumors out there, and I'm really just trying to ignore them. Not even reading much about them. Just can't wait to see how this multiversal crazy movie with Doctor Strange and Spider-Man goes. We will be talking about Titans each and every week, of course, in HBO Max, episode eight next week. Watch for it. And then the big movie around the corner, October 1st, buy your tickets. Venom, let there be carnage. It's coming. Can't wait to see this thing. Another one I'm hearing rumors about. Apparently, the end credit scene is mind-blowing. That's all I'm going to say because you guys know me. I don't want to spoil myself in this moment. Um, But I'm seeing some stuff that is leading me to believe certain things. (laughs) you know, as vague as possible because I just want to go experience this. You should too. And you can expect a full review of Venom, Let There Be Carnage, Tom Hardy. uh, Can't wait to see this thing. And I can't wait to see this end credit scene that people are all so jacked about. We'll be seeing it in theaters and we'll be talking about it on the show. Same world. I mean, in terms of Marvel characters, we're talking about Spider-Man. We talked about a couple weeks ago. I think it was last week that we're going to be rewatching all the films. uh, Sam Raimi, the three films, the two amazing Spider-Man films. Uh, We also want to watch Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Of course, we should have counted on this. um, Phase Zero, comicbook.com podcast hosted by Brandon Davis. They just announced the same exact thing. Of course, you know, much more polished. They got a full schedule showing it here on the screen if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube. Um, And they have a full rundown of how they're going to watch these movies. Basically, kicking off with Spider-Man with uh, Tobey Maguire. September 28th, they're doing actual watch parties where you can watch along. They'll probably do like live tweets, Q&A. Um, and then they'll, I'm sure they'll be talking about it, of course, during phase zero. So where they'll do some recaps or, or something like that. But you can count on full reviews from us. We've decided we're just going to follow the schedule. Like why duplicate efforts? Why like mix and match where there's a bunch of us superhero podcasts out here? Um, I think the more we can align ourselves and keep it easier for you fans out there that are watching this stuff, the better. Um, so starting September 28th, mark your calendar, Spider-Man will be the first watch party on that day. And then you can count on a review that week from PC Mike, the Giggler, myself for that one. Spider-Man 2, October 12th, Spider-Man 3, October 26th, um, and so on. All the way until December when No Way Home comes out. So the last two movies they have on here, I like how they're doing this. Spider-Man Homecoming and then on November 30th, Spider-Man Far From Home, December 7th. And then you'll be primed and ready to go for the Spider-Man No Way Home movie. This is exactly what we're going to do. We're following the schedule. You can find this in our Facebook group. You can find uh, Phase Zero on Instagram and Twitter uh, and online at comicbook.com. Appreciate you guys over there. Brandon Davis does a great job. And we can't wait to 
right along with them during the Spider-Verse because all these franchises are about to start mixing and matching, folks. I have a feeling the Spider-Man No Way Home movie is about to change everything and kick off a lot more. So we're so excited. We love the MCU, but we love mixing it with Sony. At the end of the day, all of us fans want Marvel. I mean, hell, even one day DC. But everybody to play in the same sandbox. Keep us going. Keep it connected. And we can't wait to do these Spider-Man reviews with you for the next seven weeks. Folks, thanks for joining us again for another edition of the show. This was a mini episode. So, yeah, a little bit quicker than usual, in and out. Um, expect PC Mike and the Giggler to be back in here next week. And thanks for showing up. We get on, we got in here uh, on the weekend, again, Saturday morning. Uh, hope you're enjoying your Monday if you're listening when this drops Sunday. Thank you to our Patreon subscribers. Well, we're all over the Internet, and it's all linked at MostlySuperheroes.com. Having way too much fun with y'all. We appreciate every single person listening and watching, supporting the show. Remember to support your favorite independent podcast, and we'll see you next week on Mostly Superheroes. Take it easy. <laughs>